0: opening music to the third man released by 20th century fox and british line films on september 2nd 1949 it stars joseph cotton alida alida valley uh alida i I think i think she just went by
1: valley valley alida Ah. valley i think her i think her credits in the film are just valley
0: Orson Welles, and Trevor Howard. One of my favorites. This is the second movie that we've seen with Trevor Howard. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from Seattle.
1: And I'm Bob Johnson in Los Angeles. And we welcome you back to Classic Movie Reviews. This is a really great movie written by Graham Greene, who wrote a, a a whole host of stories. The Quiet American... 1955, and Our Man in Havana in 1958 were both uh, movies that were uh, made from his books, and they're both excellent movies. But, but the highlight for me is Anton Karas and the use of the zither. Yeah, that was pretty great. He wrote and performed the music, and uh, it became a big international hit in the 1950s. I remember that. it was playing...
0: On all the stations, I had to look up what a zither was. It, it's it's a it's an instrument that has between thirty and forty five strings. Oh my it's, gosh! It's played either sitting on your lap or like on a table, and it kind of reminded me of uh, of a harp almost. It's like a miniaturized harp. Wow! Uh, but yeah, that takes a lot of skill to be able to play an instrument with that many strings. I would think.
1: And I bet you agree with me on this the music is a perfect fit for the film noir nature of the movie.
0: Oh, totally better. I can't imagine the movie without the, without the, without that music. And, uh, I was, I was reading that Anton Karras was discovered by Carol Reed quote unquote discovered, but, uh, when he was playing in, in, uh, I'm not sure if it was a nightclub or like a concert, but, Anyway, he was originally only supposed to do a few pieces for the movie, but Carol Reed ended up liking him so much that he did pretty much all the music throughout the whole movie.
1: And he, he's the only musician involved in the in the film. I guess we should mention, I think we skipped over, the director, Carol Reed, who also had a, a, a lot of wonderful movies. Night Train to Munich, 1940, which is a really good movie. The Fallen Idol, nineteen forty-eight, and then he won an Academy Award as best director in nineteen sixty-eight for a musical, Oliver. Quite a talented uh, person.
0: Yeah, at, at, at the time when this movie came out, he was considered to be the best director in the business at that at that time.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. He sure did a terrific job with or this. It was
0: either it was either as this came out or after this came out, and this was this was definitely one of the highlights of his of his career but yeah, he went on to win a, an Oscar for Oliver that was later though right 19, yeah that was 1968 right okay near the end of
1: his uh, uh, working career I think well, should we
0: move right into our notes and all? We should probably let people know where they can find us too.
1: Oh yeah, that's a good idea.
0: <laughs> We're so anxious to jump right in. You can find us on the internet at ClassicMovieReviews.net or in iTunes, just do a search for Classic Movie Reviews and on Facebook, do a search for Classic Movie Reviews and you'll see a picture of Bob and myself on that page and you can visit us there and keep tabs on what we're up to.
1: I have just one more thing. It sounds like those infomercials. But first, uh, I have one correction from last uh, podcast where I said Orson Welles was starring with Susan Hayward, and Susan Hayward's hair was blonde. Uh, it was Rita Hayworth, Orson Welles and Rita Hayworth in The Lady from Shanghai. So I apologize for that error.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure I make at least one mistake per podcast, so that's okay.
1: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> So it's on with our uh, our notes and thoughts. Um to me, it's just a great movie.
0: I did have a question, though. Do you think you'd need to be a connoisseur of, of movies in order to appreciate this movie? I mean, do you think that the directing style and the musical choice and the the story lends itself to just a broader kind of appreciation? Or, or does it take on more meaning if you notice things like the the camera angles and the lighting and the fact that the zither music is so much a part of the movie
1: wow ah that's a good question i want to think about that as we move along here i i've loved this movie from the first time i saw it but i never thought of it quite as a connoisseur kind of like that (laughs) yes like a fine wine (laughs) like a fine (laughs) (laughs) wine yes yes or or down here in and out burger
0: oh there you go a yeah. connoisseur of a fast food burger.
1: I I do have a greater appreciation though for the photography and the the film noir nature of it and the scenes in war torn vienna, the darkened streets, the bar than I probably did when I first saw it. So maybe it's just but I love film noir. So bring you know bring on all of them. I love them all. Well, the reason Seems I ask like... is
0: because I, I like to do some reading on the IMDb forums uh, to kind of get a sense of what people think of the movie. And some people, there's, I think the biggest thread, well, one of the biggest threads on there was about the music. And there's quite a contingent of people that really dislike the music and, and they think the music takes away from the the movie. Really? There's another thread on there about the cinematography and and the the angles, the oblique angles that he uses and and uh, I I personally think that's some of the best parts of the movie, but uh apparently not everybody agrees. Well,
1: it is unusual. I remember when I saw the previews of this film when I was just a kid, and the thing I remember think I remember thinking about was that's really odd music in the, in the previews, but I what the heck? The whole atmosphere in the movie is, is, is just outstanding, and the music, I think, adds to that. I, one of the things I enjoyed about, <laughs> about the, the movie is that the four powers that were governing Austria and Vienna at that time, uh, Soviet Union, U.S., France, and uh, Britain, when they're riding around those Jeeps, the four people, I'm thinking to myself, what did they talk about?
0: Well, I don't think they talked about anything because he even said in the narration that they, they didn't speak each other's languages except for a little bit of German. So I, 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 it was so awkward, the, the four guys in the Jeep. I know. At the beginning. Yeah. And I thought that opening narration was great because there was a scene as the narrator is saying,
1: I never knew the old Vienna before the war with its Strauss music, its glamour and easy charm. Constantinople suited me better. I really got to know it in the classic period of the black market. We'd run anything if people wanted it enough and had the money to pay. Of course, a situation like that does tempt amateurs, but, you know, they
0: can't stay the course like a professional. And as he's saying that, there's a body floating in the river. So apparently that that was the amateur.
1: (laughs) Someone didn't do his job right or her job right. I really liked the opening, and then I liked how Holly Martins, played by Joseph Cotton, who I thought did a wonderful job in this, and was in a ton of movies, Citizen Kane, Shadow of a Doubt, Portrait of... A Portrait of Jenny is a film we might want to look at. That's one of my favorites from 1948. But when he arrives in Vienna, he has no money, little or no money, and he's come all that way on a a promise that he could get a good job with Harry Lime, who uh, is played by Orson Welles. I thought, boy, there's a guy that trusts a friend.
0: Well, he's described as being... Oh, I was going to tell you, wait, I was going to tell you about Holly Martins, an American, came all the way here to visit a friend of his. The name was Lime, Harry Lime. Now Martins was broke and Lime had offered him some sort of, I don't know, some sort of a job. Anyway, there he was, poor chap. Happy as a lark and without a cent. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs>
1: right. Uh, how disappointed was why, why do you think he, they named
0: me? the two main characters so closely? One is Harry and one is Holly and Anna, who is uh, played by Valley kind of mixes up their names uh, because they're so similar. That was an interesting choice, I thought.
1: I thought about that too, like the names on those two lead men, Holly Martins and Harry Lime. I mean, those are not everyday names that you'd run into anywhere.
0: No, no, they're they're pretty unique. Part of the movie for me was the sense of disorientation and confusion that's caused by the location and, and the fact that it's been bombed out and buildings are being rebuilt, but there's still a lot of rubble. And, and then the fact that there's a lot of scenes where they're just speaking German. And again, there's no uh, subtitles, just like in Treasure of the Sierra Madre, when they were speaking Spanish. And then this, the names are so similar that if you weren't paying very close attention, you would start to get confused about who they were talking about. And I think that that's got to be the reason they did that is just to Uh, heighten that sense of confusion.
1: The disorientation of it. Well, and I'm not a I haven't read a lot of Graham Greene's materials. Maybe he was fond of using unusual names. That could be, yeah. Could be that, too. Another character that I really liked in the movie is Trevor Howard, or as he's referred to in the movie as Major Calloway. Yeah, and he says... Listen,
0: Callahan. Calloway, I'm English, not Irish.
1: And he, he says it with so much disdain. It's
0: like, wow.
1: Well, that was the scene. The that ring. was
0: a, that was the scene in the bar where uh, the major is buying drinks for Holly, and the major introduces Holly to the sergeant. And the sergeant says, "It's all right, Payne. He's only a scribbler with too much drink in him. Take Mister Holly Martin's home. Holly Martins?
1: the uh, the writer, the author of Death at
0: Double X that he knows who Holly is. He's a, he's a famous writer of Westerns. I thought that was kind of, uh, an interesting scene because, uh, major Calloway is being so patient with Holly, even though Holly's getting pretty drunk and saying some pretty, not very nice things, uh, about the major and ends. And the major ends up punching him in the face and then says to the sergeant, don't hit him again. If he behaves,
1: (laughs) (laughs) The uh, sergeant was Bernard Lee, our our uh, character Jack Clayton from Beat the Devil. This was made, of course, oh, years yeah, before that. That's right.
0: That's right. And Later, he
1: was uh, in the James Bond movies as M. Right? You said. I think. Yeah. I think he was M. I, I think. I believe so. I really liked the excellent performance of Joseph Cotton. First, he believes Harry's dead. Then he sees him. Then he doesn't believe that Harry's a criminal. Then he does. Then he wavers. I mean, it's he's all over the lot.
0: Well, I think I texted you when I was watching it, and it was funny because we ended up watching the movie at the same time, totally independently of one another. You were ten minutes ahead of me, yes. And I and I texted you and I said, I feel like I'm watching an episode of CSI. It's like he's <laughs> there's been a murder at the beginning, just like in CSI, and we don't know who did it, and it was under unusual circumstances. And then Holly comes in, and he wants to get to the bottom of it, but. He's It's totally convoluted, and, and do, it, nothing is what you expect. And I thought, this is like a precursor for the CSI TV show.
1: <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but it really is. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was interesting how we were watching the movie independent of one another at exactly the same, t- well, 10 minutes apart. Yeah. And then sending messages back and forth. What about that? What about this? It was fun to watch it because I hadn't seen it for a while. And the more I watch it, the more I, I, I'm pulled into the, the beauty of the way it's made.
0: So, remember when we were watching Zatoichi, the Blind Swordsman? and oh, I, yes. And I connected it with Star Wars and, and a whole bunch of other things that I thought were inspired by it. Well, in my second viewing of this movie, I just had this feeling like, oh my gosh, this is a scene right out of Blade Runner. There was a scene where... Uh, let's see here. It's about a half an hour into the movie and Anna and Holly are coming back to her apartment. And the old woman is at the entrance to the apartment saying something in German. And it turns out that the police are up in Anna's apartment going through all of her stuff. And they start walking through this apartment. And it was exactly, it was so similar to the scene in Blade Runner where uh, Decker goes up to the toy maker's apartment and the building is totally run down and kind of bombed out and lots of shadows and, and hard lighting. And And I thought, I wonder if Blade Runner, if anything in Blade Runner was inspired by this movie. And I, I kind of think that maybe there was a little bit.
1: Oh, I hadn't made that connection at all, but I'll bet there is. They, uh, Blade Runner was done by Ridley Scott, right?
0: Right. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, that's one of my top five all-time movies, Blade Runner. So I'm probably making connections that maybe aren't there, but maybe they are.
1: Is it old enough that we could include it, or is it from the 80s? It's from the 80s, isn't it? It's from the 80s, yeah. Yeah. Well, if we keep this up long enough, it'll move into the classic category. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Filming on location really did it for me. It was fun. It was realistic. I read where they watered down the streets for those night scenes, so it always looked kind of wet.
0: Oh, interesting! It did. It always looked like it had rained recently.
1: And and the mystery was heightened by the by all of the environment of the of the movie.
0: A couple other things that I uh, learned was that remember you asked me while we were watching it, you wondered if uh, those sewer scenes were filmed, if they were really filmed on location in a sewer, and it turns out that some of them were filmed on location in the sewers of vienna apparently that is an actual thing i mean you can you can go on tours of it in fact uh, oh but my then they God. also they also built a set in back in london for filming other parts of it and a lot of the scenes where you think it's harry running through the sewers and you just see his silhouette it's actually another person like doing a body double wearing an extra oh. like oversized coat to kind of fill out his frame because uh, they couldn't find Orson Wells. He was off on the continent somewhere doing something for one of his own movies, and so they had to continue filming without him.
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't read that. Well, I'm glad to know that it wasn't all filmed in real sewers. That would be really tough duty. They'd need danger pay, ha- hazardous pay.
0: Those police uh, that were running down there in the white suits, that was a real yes. thing. Like They actually have people that patrol the sewers because it it was used for trafficking and Illegal activities quite a bit.
1: Oh, my word. (laughs) Do do you think those sewers exist today and are used like that?
0: I think they still exist. I think you can take tours of them, yeah.
1: They they may not be using them for that purpose. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about how they're riding the uh, Ferris wheel at the amusement park. Oh, I have one quick aside. Apparently, uh, Trevor Howard, when they weren't shooting, and when they didn't need him for a scene or part of the day, He had his full uniform on, and he wandered into that amusement park, which at that time was in the Soviet sector. Holy crap. And he got arrested, of course, by the Soviet police. And they held him until they could find out who he was because he was in full British uniform. And then they finally took him to uh, the British sector,
0: and he was released once they found out what was going (laughs) on.
1: Can you imagine? I bet he was a little bit... Frightened.
0: Well, having never seen this movie before, the first time we see his character, he's wearing a totally black trench coat, and I thought he looked yeah. like somebody from the Gestapo. That he was very it's... intimidating looking. He was.
1: He was. But he a did a kid. great
0: job. He was. He was one of the good guys in the movie who who knew what was going on and and was trying to do the right thing. Unlike our hero uh, Holly, who was kind of confused and lost throughout most of the movie.
1: <laughs> he was. So. I wanted to talk a little bit about the scenes and the amusement park on the Ferris wheel.
0: Yeah, that's a great Th- that's, scene. That's
1: that's one of the classic set of scenes, I think, between Joseph Cotton and uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles was just a wonderful actor. I, man, quite he an was. unusual individual.
0: He wrote that speech that he gave, too, on the Ferris wheel. Howdy. I'd like to cut you in,
1: old man. There's nobody left in Vienna I can really trust, and we've always done everything together. When you make up your mind, send me a message. I'll meet you any place, any time. And when we do meet, old man, it's you I want to see, not the police. Remember that, won't you? (laughs) Don't be so gloomy. After all, it's not that awful. what the fella said. In Italy, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holland. And I, I have to believe that that quote about Switzerland is one of the all-time quotes in movies. Right yeah, up that... there with, uh, we need a bigger boat, or some of the <laughs> others that we've seen. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh,
0: that whole speech, actually, because th- this is where we Uh, because up until that point i kept thinking that he's just kind of a small time con man slash crook and and he yeah that thing he was doing with the penicillin was terrible but then he goes he gives the speech which makes me think he's a real sociopath when they raided the gambling joint you knew a safe way out (laughs) sure yeah safe for you not safe for me
1: old man you never should have gone to the police you know you ought to leave this thing alone have you ever seen any of your victims? You know, I never feel comfortable on these sort of things. Victims, be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you twenty thousand pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man? Tell me to keep my money, or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spend, free of income tax, only, free of income? Well, you can save money now, dude. A lot of good your money'll do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you.
0: And it was like, wow, he's he's like a mass murderer, you know? Yeah, he he he
1: he could have been. And it it was it was twenty thousand pounds, which in 19, 1948 was uh, I don't know what that was, probably fifty thousand dollars, something like that. He was. He was. He was a uh, what'd you say, a sociopath?
0: Coming off of that speech, uh, Holly decides that he wants to get out of town. Like, okay, he he finally realizes that his friend Harry is not a nice guy, and the major wants to get Holly to help him to catch Harry. Harry or Holly just wants to get out of town, so they're they're headed out of town to go to the airport, and the major makes a he just has to make a quick stop. He says, "Just take a few minutes." And they go to this children's hospital, and this is where we find out about the penicillin, and...
1: This is the biggest children's hospital in Vienna. All the kids in here are the result of Lyme's penicillin racket. It had meningitis. They gave it some of Lyme's penicillin.
0: Terrible pity, isn't it? Holly ends up saying, okay, you win, you win, I'll help you. And I thought that scene in the hospital was really well done. It, it They didn't ever show any sick kids, but it kind of left it to your imagination about how bad off they were. I
1: thought that was very powerful just for that reason. You saw the reaction of Holly, and it said everything about how awful uh, what Harry Lyme had done.
0: And and I guess this this thing about the penicillin and watering it down was a real thing in during the war, because we were sending over as much penicillin as we could, and it got to be very... Um, valuable and this this was a real thing that happened but given that given the fact that we know how bad Harry is uh, it it didn't make as much sense to me when the major helps Anna by giving her her uh, passport back and and sends her off on the train but then Holly like a dummy goes to the train station to see her off but kind of without telling her about that. So then she sees him and gets real suspicious and gets off the train. And then they have this confrontation in a coffee shop which was a which looked like a coffee shop right out of the uh movie that the other movie we watched with Trevor Howard. Brief Encounter. Yeah.
1: It, who knows it, it may have been it may have been.
0: She doesn't want to leave now because she feels like uh she's been played, I guess. And she still kind of wants to be with Harry, even though she knows that he's a bad, bad man. So I I kind of liked her character at the beginning, and then by the end of the movie, I, I, I didn't like her character.
1: What I said about that whole thing is that Harry Lyme was a despicable person, and how could Valley, Anna, not see that in him? I, I guess she just loved him so much, uh, She, she couldn't forgive herself or or change what she was doing.
0: One of the first scenes in the movie is is her walking out of the cemetery after who we think is Harry has been buried and then it ends with that exact same scene. She's walking out of the cemetery after the real Harry has been buried. I liked I like the ending because uh Holly he doesn't end up with the with the woman at the end.
1: I love that that finale because it's the the color fo- or the black and white photography, the that long road looked like it was five miles long and the, the winter trees, no leaves in the gray sky. Apparently there was a big debate within the making of this film. I'm not sure who was on which side of this debate. Some people wanted a happy ending and the director held out for this, uh, ending, which is anything but uh, upbeat. And, uh, Oh, Graham Greene wanted it to be a happier ending. That's it. And then he said later, boy, that I, that would have been a mistake if they'd followed my, uh, my advice because it would have changed the whole movie.
0: So the writer wanted it to be a happier ending. Interesting. I think that any a movie ends on a down note, there's probably ha- there's probably been a conversation of, maybe we should end this with a happy ending.
1: Yeah, with them getting together. Because I guess in the book or the the novella that this was based on, he had a happy ending where they
0: walked off together. Yeah, that would have been so cliché. It would have, wouldn't and it? it and it wouldn't have fit with what happened before. It just wouldn't have fit. But I, I do want to mention two other scenes that I really, really, really liked. Uh, one was the cultural reeducation meeting that Holly goes to. <laughs> yes!
1: Yeah, well, I, I suppose that is what I meant to say.
0: Of course, of course, of course. Do you believe Mr. Martins in the stream of consciousness? Ooh, uh...
1: Supreme consciousness. Well, uh, well, uh, what author has chiefly influenced you? Gray. Gray? What Gray? Zane Gray. Oh, that's Mr. Martin's little joke, of course, sir. We all know perfectly well Zane Gray wrote what we call westerns, cowboys, and bandits. Mr. James Joyce. Now, where would you put him? Oh, would you mind repeating that question? I said, where would you put Mr. James Joyce? In what category? Can I ask, is Mr. Martins engaged on a new book? Yes. It's called The Third Man. A novel, Mr. Martins? It's a murder story. I've just started it.
0: It's based on facts. I was laughing out loud during that part because it was so uncomfortable. It was. He didn't know what the heck he got himself into there. It w- <laughs> and the
1: guy that was the chair of that i forget his name
0: crabbin i think his name was crabbin he was uh, great
1: in that role yeah that's a great scene that 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 whole thing
0: and then the the last one is the death scene harry's death scene in the sewer where his he's trying to get out and his fingers are poking oh, up through that grate oh i love that great yes, yes and 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 it it feels so claustrophobic and like hot and stinky down in the sewers and then his fingers poke up and there's a cool breeze blowing and it, it just feels like freedom and fresh air, but he can't, he's, he's too badly wounded to push up the grade. That is,
1: that is a beautiful scene. Just one other thought I have. This was not a movie that was nominated for the best direct or best picture Academy award. It only won an Academy award for best black and white cinematography. That surprised me because it's rated so high, highly now by the, uh, American film institute i guess people didn't think it was that good at the time or didn't like it i don't know so i gave this a 10 out of 10 on my rating scale i i i could watch it over and over again and for me it lives today just as well as it did in 1949 it holds up so well and like you say it could be a it could be a 2 hour version of a CSI
0: yeah, I, I gave it a 10 out of 10. And it's at the top of the BFI list for best British films ever. And it's also included at number 57 on the American Film Institute's top 100 American films. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it hit both jackpots.
0: So next week, we're going to lighten it up a little bit. I, I uh, had an epiphany that we've done several episodes in a row of pretty dark movies. <laughs> so we're going to lighten it up with uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Which should be lots and lots of fun. That's a pretty long movie. I think it's a uh, two hours long. It's going to be tough to cram that into thirty minutes. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be fun. And then after that, we're. I was going to say
1: uh, on Mad 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 World, we met Stanley Kramer in uh, Bellevue, Washington, thirty years ago at a Chuck E. Cheese's. You may <laughs> you may not remember this. I'm not making this. How could you make something like that up? He and his wife were there with his grandchildren. He lived in. In the Seattle area for a number of years, and there he was. I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's dining
0: out!" Wow, I don't remember Man. that, but that's awesome. So I can say I've met him, even though I don't remember it. Uh, and then after that, we're going to do another musical, uh, Oklahoma. Is that right?
1: From the 1950s, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then after that, we're going to do the Dirty Dozen. The
1: Dirty Dozen from the mid 1960s. So we're going to comedy, music, and action.
0: That works for and me. Then we'll
1: go back to. F- four episodes of film
0: noir (laughs) or we can start up some more monster movies maybe maybe time there's so many to pick from (laughs) thanks for listening everybody it's been it's been fun and as as always you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or on iTunes just search for classic movie reviews and I'm Matt Johnson this is Bob Johnson wishing you happy movie watching
1: My retired actor friend and I on Friday are watching a movie that I don't think I've ever seen, Canyon Passage, a Western from 1946, with Dana Andrews, I think Susan Hayward, and Brian Donlevy. He says he, he thinks it's the best Western ever made.
0: That's wow. that Wow, I'll, I'll be interested in a, a report from that. That covers a
1: lot of ground.
0: It does, since there's been thousands of westerns made.
1: I know. So I'll give you a report. Uh,
0: I like the name, on... Canyon Passage. It sounds uh, dangerous. It does. Kind of like that. Uh, the scene that they added to uh, 310 to Yuma, where they had to go through that, that canyon with the railroad.